I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. This episode features Christy Middleton and Sandra Gray from Rebellious Foods. Christy is the Vice President of Business Development for the company, and Sandra is the Director of Product Development. Christy was previously the Managing Director of Farm Animal Protection at the Humane Society of the United States, where she built and led a team of food service professionals working with food service management corporations and institutions across the U.S. to help them reduce meat purchases and incorporate more plant-based options into their menus. Sandra comes to her position at Rebellious with 20-plus years of food industry experience as a motion picture caterer, restaurant owner, and food product developer for various food manufacturers. The Rebellious team is designing new equipment and processes to make better-tasting, more affordable plant-based meat so that people anywhere and on any budget can have delicious plant-based meat that is better for them, better for the planet, and better for animals. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Christy and Sandra from Rebellious Foods, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Thank you so much for having us here. Happy to be here. Christy, you've been on the podcast before, so welcome back. Sandra, this is your first time. I promise it's a lot of fun, so uh, we're just going to enjoy it for the next 45 minutes. Uh, Before we dive into the actual conversation today, I do want to mention that the last time you were on the podcast, Christy, we ended the conversation... um, And I think I stopped recording at that point because the podcast was over and we were just chatting. And and I asked you, like, what is it that you, and you were working at the HSUS at that point, uh, and I asked you, what do you think is really needed in the market? What should entrepreneurs work on if you really want to solve some of these problems about getting more plant-based foods in institutional food service? And you looked at me and said, uh, if only an entrepreneur could figure out how to make a good plant-based nugget. Uh, I'd I'd have a much easier time doing my job. And I remember thinking at that moment that I should have been recording that. It would have been a great thing to add to the podcast. But it's look at where we are now. We're sitting here talking about the company you're part of, which is Rebellious Foods, that does make plant-based nuggets. So maybe you're predicting the future. (laughs) Right. Well, it's definitely something that I saw a great need for in the marketplace. And after Christy Legali, our CEO and founder, started the company, I told her that she was making my dreams come true. (laughs) So it's a real thrill for me to be working at the company. And as you mentioned, what we're doing at Rebellious is we're making what we hope are delicious, juicy, and affordable plant-based chicken products. And we're focusing on the food service marketplace. And that's where we feel like we can drive a lot of volume because of the immense demand for breaded, battered, ready-to-heat-and-serve products in the food service industry. Mm -hmm. So um, for someone who's never heard about Rebellious, uh, I guess that's the short description. Give me a little bit more insight into why the company was created and, and, you know, why it decided to focus on chicken specifically. So Rebellious is a mission-focused company, and Christy, our CEO and founder, 
was a member of the Humane Society's State Council. So for those of you who aren't, for your listeners who aren't familiar with the Humane Society of the United States and the work that organization does, uh, it's where I was previously employed and worked in the Farm Animal Protection Campaign. And there, um, the team works on everything from helping companies with improving animal welfare and their supply chains to helping get more plant-based options on menus at schools, hospitals, the military, and other large food purchasing organizations. So Christy was a Boeing engineer, and when she was working at Boeing, she worked with her cafeteria and me to get Meatless Monday up and running there. And we also would see many other corporate cafeterias, schools, hospitals, and large institutional food service purchasers who wanted to have more plant-based options on menus. We would do culinary trainings through the Humane Society's Forward Food Program, where we had a team of chefs, dietitians, former food service professionals. We would create recipes and go do hands-on culinary instruction. And overwhelmingly over the years, we saw that people really wanted to have more plant-based options on menus, but they also really needed things that were they were able to produce at scale. We're talking about not producing meals for families of four, but for maybe 400 to 4,000, or in some instances, 400,000 people all at once. And so you need to be able to produce uh, food that you can make very easily, very efficiently, and affordably. And while many of these places wanted to be able to do that, they often didn't have the staff, they didn't have the equipment, and they didn't have the time to be able to do a lot of scratch cooking. And so over the years, I would ask the food service providers who I met with if there were plant-based versions of the most popular options on your menus, chicken nuggets, chicken patties, and chicken tenders Mm -hmm. that were available through your broadline distributors that were affordable and that met all the nutritional requirements, would you serve them instead? And overwhelmingly, people were in favor of that. And that's why it was really something that I was asking for Mm -hmm. to be able to help do my job easier. And so um, Christy Legali heard about this need. And while I talked to many prospective entrepreneurs over the years about starting this plant-based chicken company, Mm -hmm. she was really the person who figured out to do it. And it's not something that is for the faint of heart. You know, Mm -hmm. chicken is cheap. And that's one of the reasons why it's one of the most popular menu items. So to be able to do that at scale and do it affordably and have an option for institutions that they're going to be able to purchase on a routine basis, not as just a specialty item, but something that they're going to serve on their menus every single day, was a big challenge. And it's one that most of the people I talked to just didn't feel like they could actually come up with a way to do profitably. But Christy's been able to do that. And we'll share how in just a minute. (laughs) And, you know, hearing that, it's so interesting that the even the idea of the company has come out of this process of truly uh, serving the field and identifying a clear need. So um, it, it really speaks to some of the new things that are happening in the food industry today where people aren't launching companies uh, with some sort of uh, blind hope that this is this is something that may possibly make an impact down the line. This sounds like this was a consistent feedback you got across the board that if you were able to provide a you know, plant-based product that was a replacement for chicken at the same price, same quality, or better quality, uh, they would be interested in talking to you. So it's almost like crowdsourcing the identification of where the problem is and potential solutions to the problem and then figuring out who 
can be that entrepreneur who, firstly, has the skills and background to tackle the problem, but also is willing to take that that immense leap of faith, which is needed in the case of launching any possible company in the food space. Right. Yes. I mean, this was very intentional, and it was done out of uh, an immense need, not only because we kept seeing that this these are the most popular menu items, but for Christy as mm-hmm. a member of the Humane Society, looking at it from an impact perspective. You know, we, we slaughter 9 billion chickens in the United States every single year. And of course, those animals are um, treated the most inhumanely of mm-hmm. virtually every animal in our food system. And so if we really want to make a difference in terms of improving animal welfare, we need to look at how we can affect chickens. And of course, the best way that we can have an impact on them is to have a way to for people to eat fewer of them. And so, you know, of course, in the United States, chicken is the most popular meat option. We uh, we raise uh, 9 billion chickens, and chicken accounts for about $40 billion of the meat industry. And further processed chicken, meaning chicken nuggets, chicken patties, chicken tenders, make up the lion's share of that. And so really from a business perspective, you know, most people are not buying whole chickens, taking them home and cooking them anymore. They're getting these further processed items. So it makes sense if we want to have an impact on animal welfare and give people easy solutions to tackle the further processed chicken sector. There's this misconception that a chicken is chicken is healthier than red meat. There's a second idea people have is that chicken is more environmentally friendly when it comes to, you know, uh, animal-based foods. When, of course, you compare it to beef, anything is environmentally friendlier. Tell me why both of those are not entirely true and that's not an accurate picture of what's what's happening. Well, chicken contains a lot of cholesterol. And I think for people who are trying to avoid cholesterol, antibiotics, and hormones, finding a plant-based solution obviously is going to help them with ameliorating issues regarding heart disease, our leading killer in the United States. And in terms of the environmental impact, perhaps it's um, less bad than beef, but certainly we're still raising grains and crops that we are feeding to chickens that we could just be eating directly. So a more environmentally friendly solution is just avoiding those animals altogether and using those things as ingredients for our tasty nuggets. And then, of course, in terms of the animal welfare implications, you know, I've rescued chickens and Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to spend time with them and get to know them as individuals. And one of the last chickens who I shared my home with, um, unfortunately, had been rescued from a factory farm where, you know, those chickens are bred to grow so large, so fast that their legs often can't withstand their body's weight because they're just these giants inside of um, this body that's essentially a trap for them. Their organs can't keep up with their with the weight of their bodies. And um, it's really sad to see animals living like that. And I think most consumers, if they saw that, they wouldn't want to be part of that system. Mm-hmm. And so we've developed a product that still has the same taste, the texture, that's a vehicle for a dipping sauce or that you can you know put in your favorite wrap or on top of your favorite salad and still give you that same mouthfeel and experience, but don't come with the environmental implications that's slightly healthier for you and mm-hmm. is better for animals. Yeah, and on the you know on the environmental side, it's a misconception for sure because the chicken does impact greenhouse gas emissions, but also, of course, on resources, nothing stacks up better than plants because for 100 calories that you feed um, animals, you I think yeah the conversion ratio is always in favor of plants because 100 calories converts to like 40 calories of 
uh, milk, I think, and 22 calories of eggs. I think for chicken, it's 12. Mm. Pork is eight, and then beef is the worst. It's three. So 100 calories converting to 12 calories of chicken the math doesn't seem very pretty. Simply inefficient, inefficient. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, so why has no other plant-based company yet been able to truly uh, crack the chicken market? What makes chicken unique, and what are you doing from a product standpoint to replicate what most consumers consider to be chicken using plants? Well, I think one of the things that makes chicken unique is that it has... A, a juiciness that's a little bit more difficult to replicate in plant-based than than the burger because the burger's more of like a a fatty juicy fattiness but with a chicken it's it's really more of a more of like a like a broth type mm-hmm. explosion like an umami kind of feel i kind guess of, yeah, yeah a little umami and it's also very it's it's very subtle in flavor profile so mm-hmm. it's very it's almost neutral uh which makes it a little bit more difficult to to emulate in in plant-based. And I think where Rebellious is really making a, a big difference is it's around the processing. And this company is very unique uh, in that uh, Christy is really focused on using her mechanical engineering background to create new equipment for processing plant-based protein. Right now, all of the plant-based meats are made using... Uh, processing equipment that's meant for the meat industry, the meat industry and the bakery industry. And they're, it's not particularly efficient, and there are a lot of quality control issues. And uh, so what Rebellious is really focused on is new ways of producing, and that's how we're going to get that cost down. Mm-hmm. Uh, still using um, very high-quality ingredients, but doing processing in a, in a whole new way. And she's looking at it in a comp- completely different way. I've worked for a handful of different food companies and I've never worked for someone who was who was taking it all the way to the building new equipment, which mm-hmm. is just super exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all know one of the big hurdles in growing a food company in this space or in generally in the food space is that uh, you will have a prototype product. Uh, you will you know possibly be able to raise a seed round fairly easily. And then you're eventually going to want to take that into retail or food service. And then you're going to hit this point where you need to scale up production. And so who you are typically making this in a test kitchen or commissary kitchen. And now you've got to take that product and manufacture it in industrial, using industrial equipment. Where do you find that equipment? And I, for the first time I had learned this through another guest on the podcast was they were looking at meat processing equipment to use it to yep. process their plant-based products. Yep. <laughs> and, and, of course, there's, you know, extruders. And, I mean, I, I don't know details about the technology. You probably can help me here. But it seemed like the, there was no one focusing on the manufacturing side of it to really meet the demand. And it was kind of left up to these startups to either invest in custom equipment or design it themselves or just kind of re-architect how we even would produce these products typically. What Chrissy's doing, I think, is going with this first principles approach is that why do we have to assume certain things have to be a certain way? Rather, let's just re-architect our assumptions even yeah. and go in and try to come up with something that will be truly unique. Yeah. One of her first hires is an engineer, and I've never worked at a food company that had an engineer. They all have mechanics who can repair the existing machinery and help spec new machinery, but I've never worked for a company where 
we're actually looking at making the machinery. It's really exciting. I find the product exciting. I, I mean, I've always wanted a good chicken nugget that was made from plants, and uh, I tried your product a few months back. Thanks, Christy, for bringing it to me. Uh, it was one of your investors' house, I think. Um, and firstly, I think it's an exciting product. Secondly, what makes it um, even more intriguing is that you're, you're focusing on food service to begin with. Um, Let's talk about the the kind of strategy to go to market right now with uh, Rebellious because you haven't been around for that long and you're at the brink of that next phase. What's the biggest priority right now as you enter into that phase? Right. Well, as um, you mentioned earlier, kind of a chicken and egg <laughs> issue where we have, I think, a great product and everyone who tries it really enjoys it and gives us really positive feedback. So getting that in front of customers and then finding the distribution channels. So I think for many startups, and if they're somebody who has a playbook on how to get into distribution easily, I would love to be reading that. Um, our our you know, ch ch uh, challenge and strategy is finding early adopters who have the purchasing power and leverage to then get us into distribution. There are a handful of major broadline distributors that tend to control a lot of the market and it can be very difficult to get in with them. But once you get in with them, then you have the ability to access tens of thousands of their customers. So for us, our initial strategy was working with institutions in the Seattle area that we would have the ability to do direct delivery to until we were able to get distribution. And we are available now through U.S. Foods, which is one of the major broadliners in the Seattle market um, that also serves the Pacific Northwest and um, also through a handful of more gourmet distributors in both the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area and the Pacific Northwest. And from there, um, our plan is to start selling our K-12 nugget it's an area that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, we serve 32 million meals in K-12 schools every single day in the United mm -hmm. States. It's a very big market, and you know most of the meals that are being served, I think a lot of the school food service directors are not really that proud of what they have the ability to put on plates. And after working with a lot of those directors, I know that these are people who are very passionate about the work that they're doing. They care a lot, but they have extremely limited budgets, and they have to work within the constraints of the USDA guidelines, meaning they have to serve at least two servings of meat or meat alternates every single day. And our new K-12 through nugget meets that requirement, and the school food service directors who we put it in front of so far really enjoy it, and I'm excited to go and meet up with some students later this week and see what they think of the product as well. Um, but that's a very large market and a place where chicken nuggets really are king, and so I think that that's going to be an area that serves us very well and that we can really help more food service directors with meeting their goals of having healthful, more sustainable, and animal friendly menu options. Yeah, and in terms of the price, because you mentioned for any of this to work, you have to be price competitive. And, you know, that's traditionally been also a challenge in the plant-based food space mm -hmm. where, and it continues to be, um, where we are able to create products that look, feel, taste almost exactly like meat, um, but they're more expensive. And they're more expensive because the ingredients are more expensive compared to uh, factory farm meat that's subsidized, um, right? But how are you able to 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 kind of compete on price without compromising too much on quality? 
Well, I think part of that is what Sandra was mentioning regarding our novel equipment that we are developing. So we're not quite cost competitive yet, Mm -hmm. but um, we anticipate that once we build up our scale and our volume, um, it won't take us too long to get there. But if you look at most of the plant-based meats that are on the marketplace today, they're coming in at two to five times the cost of meat. And so you might have customers who are willing to try it out as a novelty They may want to experiment with it, but you're not going to see them eating it every single day in most places. And certainly on school menus or even in university cafeterias, they're not going to be able to afford to make those things on part of the all-you-care-to-eat buffet at a university dining hall. They might have it behind um, the counter and somebody can get it on a special order if they're vegetarian or vegan. So we definitely want to be the solution to that. And part of that is our business strategy of developing novel manufacturing equipment that addresses some of the bottlenecks in current plant-based meat manufacturing. And a few of those things would involve replacing some of the equipment that is either slow or inefficient or doesn't really solve for the problems that we need when you're producing plant-based protein versus animal-based protein. Um, We'll be able to use equipment that Christy and our engineering team are developing to have continuous throughput. So rather than doing batch processing, which is Mm -hmm. slow and inefficient, but really necessary in meat processing, we'll have equipment where it just continues to produce um, by us just pumping in ingredients and we'll have little nuggets coming out on the other <laughs> side. Um, and that's that's one way. And we're also, of course, looking at the ingredients that we're using for the school nugget. Uh, because of the strict guidelines of the USDA's National School Lunch Program, we had to find um, um, an alternate that would credit for meat or meat alternate. And so soy is the protein that the USDA School Lunch Program recognizes, and that's what we're using. We might look at other proteins in the future, but most of them either don't have a really steady supply chain. So when you're looking at pea protein, Mm -hmm. some of the other alternate proteins, they tend to be a little more expensive. And the flavors can vary if you get it from certain parts of the country. Yeah, a lot of those novel proteins are very exciting, but they're so early stage that there tends to be a lot of inconsistency within the marketplace. Soy is very well established and uh, much easier for quality control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you mentioned that the school program only recognizes soy as a, a comparable plant-based protein. Is that something that's in their guidelines itself? or? Well, you could use whole beans or oh. other um, legumes, but they have to be more in a whole form. Um, peanut butter, nut butters are also creditable, but in terms of plant-based mm-hmm. proteins, wheat is not accepted um, at least it doesn't serve um, score high enough on a, a test called the PDCAS test that um, compares amino mm-hmm. acid levels. Um, so soy in the form of tofu, most recently tempeh was allowed as an acceptable meat alternate, and I believe some soy yogurts. But you know, it. really okay. it is the primary protein if you're going to use a, a non-meat alternate. Right. And um, in the case of the soy you're using, is it... Uh, all organic? How how particular are you about the source of the soy? And can you tell me a little bit more? It has to be American grown. So mm-hmm. it's it's domestic. Um, again, we're really focused on keeping that price point down. So organic at this point is, is out of reach. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you have to, I mean, you've got to figure out how to, how to make this work within the constraint of the existing system that, that all companies are kind of beholden to. 
Right. And we do get requests. Can we do a wheat-free version? Can we mm-hmm. do a soy-free version? And I think, you know, maybe in a couple of years, once we've really nailed down our initial product line, we'll mm-hmm. be able to do something that's a little more allergen-friendly. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is have a replacement for a chicken nugget. And most of those have some soy in them already. They're not strictly chicken. Some some may be. And most of them are breaded in some type of wheat coating. So yeah. they're not usually gluten-free either. Yeah. And um, just anecdotally, <laughs> I have a, a casual test panel at home. I have a 14-year-old daughter. So mm-hmm. she's a ninth grader. And she and her friends, they're big, rebellious fans for sure. Um, but uh, I will give them prototypes. And I have a really funny video clip of one of the friends and she's like, wait a minute, this isn't chicken. Wait a second. Actually, this is better than chicken. You've (laughs) got to get these nuggets into the school. And we find that a lot when we do, when we do cuttings with people who are, who are familiar with chicken nuggets, the chicken nuggets are not particularly high quality. So we're really focused on a, on a sensory experience, really positive sensory experience. And we find that they compete very well. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of like the schools that you're looking at and the institutions you're hoping the products are going to end up in or are already in, um, are you displacing uh, chicken nuggets on the menus or this is just uh, an additional plant-based option that will be added? And, you know, maybe as a net result of that, you will be displacing down the line. How how do you sort of, where, where does this get positioned when it does get put onto menus? You know, I think it's a mix of both, and mm-hmm. it depends on who the operator is. Some of them are looking at us as a plant-based option to have for those guests who are looking for a plant-based option. Others have indicated that they use a significant amount of chicken nuggets, and they would like to replace those with ours. And replace in the sense that they would have no more chicken nuggets and have only plant-based? Right, exactly. Oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. Okay. Now, that would be a win, right? <laughs> yes. I think it's all a win, but that's really the sort of game-changing shift that we are going for. We we would like to replace our little nuggets with mm-hmm. – or replace chicken nuggets with our little nuggets. So who are you up um, – so there's a lot of questions I can, I can ask about this because it's – you are sort of in a unique space tackling a – a problem that no one's actually hyper-focused on at the moment. Everyone's trying to do burgers. There are, of course, companies working on chicken. Some offer chicken nuggets, plant-based chicken nuggets already. But you're looking at the food service land, specifically institutional food service, to begin with at least. Um, who are you up against when you're, when, you're, when you're trying to get your products in these, uh, in these cafeterias? And when I mean up against, I don't necessarily mean your plant-based competition at the mm-hmm. moment. There may be some down the line, but uh, who are you displacing at the moment? Well, Tyson has the mm-hmm. ubiquitous red-label chicken nugget that I think most institutions are using. And, of course, they have the lion's share of the chicken industry in general mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, they recently rolled out a plant-forward nugget that I've heard from some institutions that they've been sampling. So I would say um, if we had to name competition and if we had to choose who our competition is, we would want to be competing with them because we don't want to just be an option for vegetarians and vegans. We want to be the nugget that's on menus, and Tyson tends to be that one right now. Mm -hmm. So 
How so? The question again with Tyson or the likes of any of the big food companies that are all now dipping their toes into plant-based waters is um, Rebellious is currently developing manufacturing technology. It's it's an early stage startup that's uh, hiring people, trying to scale production, develop the best possible tasting products, and then you're trying to go out there and and sign these contracts to get it into um, schools and other institutions and restaurants too down the line. Are you worried that uh, a big food company just tomorrow wakes up, sees the opportunity, and will do what you're trying to do, but will do it at, uh, in half the amount of time because they have the resources to do it? Mm-hmm. Is that a valid fear or concern? Or are you seeing signs of that happening out there? Well, that's probably a question that maybe our CEO would disagree with me on, (laughs) Uh, but maybe not. You know, we're all mission oriented, but Mm -hmm. we welcome the interest in this space. I mean, the the chicken industry, $42 billion a year, and we are a drop in the bucket of that. And I say we as just the plant-based industry in general. And so if a Tyson or Purdue or... You know, frankly, any whether it's a meat company or a startup um, wants to get involved in this space. You know, if you look at the chicken industry, there's not just one giant chicken company. There are dozens, if not hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's an opportunity for many of us. Um, The only qualm that I would have really is, are they producing a good product or is it something that someone is going to eat and then later say, I had a plant-based nugget and it was disgusting Mm -hmm. and then not want to try our product, which is really good. Um, so I think that if they're doing it, then that's wonderful. But I just hope that they do a very good job of it. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, again, I'm not just saying this because uh, you're on the podcast or because I've known you for a while, Christy, and, and not, not just for that reason. But honestly, I'm not happy with some of the plant-based nuggets that exist on the market today. I think they could be much better from a taste. Mm-hmm. And given that nuggets on the surface, like, even the ones that are made out of chicken, I haven't eaten them in a long time now, but I do remember them as being one of those foods that you could easily imagine a plant-based version of that, and most people wouldn't even know the difference and shouldn't know the difference. So yet when you end up encountering a plant-based nugget that somehow doesn't meet the taste standard, it shocks me because it's it shouldn't be that hard. But maybe I'm naive, and tell me as a product person... Um, why is it hard? Why is why is making a good chicken nugget made from plants actually a um, of course the manufacturing issue separately, just in terms of just developing that taste factor? What's so complicated about it? Well, I think one of our advantages is we're really hyper focused on one particular item, mm. and so we've put a lot of thought into both the meat and the coating. Uh, one of the one of the issues that you come up against with plant-based proteins is there can be a lot of there can be off flavors, and so we're really focused on making sure that we source the ingredients that are that are the cleanest in taste, and then we work very carefully to get the flavor profiles that we want, and we focus a lot on texture, and a lot of that again comes back to all this process control that we're talking about with the machinery, um, and as we do our our pilot startup work we're just we're very focused on how we produce not just the ingredients in the recipe and since you're also focusing so much on the equipment which is something unique i haven't heard from any previous guest on the podcast especially at such an early stage eventually they po- they probably get into that because they have to um 
uh, why have you even considered this, or perhaps this is part of your plan, that um, once you develop unique technology that is capable of producing plant-based chicken nuggets at scale, you could even license the technology or sell it to others? Exactly. Yeah. So is that a yes? <laughs> That's something that we would absolutely mm-hmm. be interested in doing. You know, this is not just about us. It's about helping the entire industry. And if we can help other companies with producing something that's affordable, that's more efficient for their process and makes a tasty product, then we would be thrilled to license that technology to other companies. Right. And maybe, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I know you're very focused on the nugget right now. And that is... Yeah, there's there's not many places that one can even go and try it at the moment, except a few places in the Pacific Northwest, right? Right. Yeah, and a couple of business cafeterias in the Bay Area. But very soon it will be everywhere, so people will try it. So what's coming next from a product standpoint? Of course, I know you've been, you know, the nugget has been the priority, and obviously you have a bit of a now now you have a sales cycle to go through as you uh, ramp up your manufacturing and you you know you get better at the distribution as well. Uh, you said in the beginning we're a chicken company. Um, you're focused on chicken, so I'm assuming there's other products in the work as works as well. Right. Yes, we're keeping our product development team very busy. So after we've uh, perfected our school nugget, we're looking to do a tender and a patty. And this is really based on requests that we're getting from customers who would love to see the same type of texture, but in a different format, because those tend to be the most popular menu items. Tenders and patties are for grown-ups, and nuggets are for kids. <laughs> That's, That's what we're hearing. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> and because we'll have the... Um, Which cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, just a slightly different format, but it makes all the difference. Um, and because we'll have the capability of doing breading, battering, and frying, we are also thinking about doing fish at some point, and we've actually got some early prototypes on that. And I say um, fish, meaning fish stick. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe fillets or things like that. Oh, okay. So beyond chicken, which is which is very exciting. Um, a side note: when you mentioned Tyson earlier and and chicken nuggets, uh, have you? Ever, it reminded me of this book I read about Tyson. I don't know if you've. Read, I think it's called Meat Racket, um, but I may be mistaken. It it kind of traces the history of of Tyson and how they uh, how they emerged into the company that they are today. And actually, I, I found the book kind of inspiring, okay. as bizarre as that may sound. And I think it's because it truly, you know, what Tyson did with uh, with the entire business was really just was, was capitalized on the current system that existed, and they just learned how to use it to their advantage, mm-hmm. um, you know, by vertical integration and owning the farms and the supply chain. But the reason I bring them up is because there's an interesting little uh, nugget in that uh, in that book. <laughs> So about, many puns here. <laughs> <laughs> about how Tyson uh, got into McDonald's uh, and got convinced McDonald's to add, uh, you know, chicken as part of its, uh, and how the nugget kind of came about, how McNuggets came about. So there's a bit of an interesting backstory there, which is, uh, which is, if anyone listening is a nugget nerd for mm-hmm. some reason. <laughs> and who wouldn't be? Yeah, I mean, it, it is really something that we are learning from and what Christie's done in her in the days leading up to starting the company, was looking at what made Tyson the behemoth that it is Mm -hmm. and what's made other food manufacturing companies who they are, like General Mills, which not only holds all of these recipes and, you know, has all these different brands, but also created novel production methods for all of them as well. And so 
so we're really learning from the big companies and you know, trying to, um, you know, kind of write back uh, from what they've done to, you know, drill down what their early days looked like and how we can replicate that ourselves. Yeah, because there's lessons to be learned from from all of them. I mean, yes, if you if you put aside this the facts that one may not be happy with, which is they also ended up. Uh, they, they industrialize the entire food system, and you know we know factory farming is terrible for the environment, terrible for animals, terrible for human health. Um, set aside that fact for a moment and try to have a neutral mind about it. There's a lot of interesting lessons that you can actually learn from uh, the the journeys that these companies have been on. And now that we know better, right? Now that we know that the path that they went down led to unintended consequences or intended consequences that were ignored, uh, we can't afford those anymore. And even Tyson, for that matter, or Cargill and others who are all getting into the plant-based space and the cell-based meat space, understand it now that if you want a sustainable food system or you want to be a sustainable food company, and I mean financially sustainable, for the next 20, 30 years, you've got to find a better way. So take the lessons that are good from those companies, ignore the ones where they used animals, we're going to use plants. Um, and, you know, you'll probably end up with similar results down right. the line. Yeah. And innovate on them. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. um, big behemoth companies that may be a little slower to move. We're a startup. We can be nimble. We can learn from them. And we can cut out some of the difficulties and hopefully do a better and faster job. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's take a step back and look at the, where the state of the plant-based food space at the moment um, Sandra, I know you've worked in it for a while now, and you've uh, seen other companies and the work that and the journeys that they've been on. Coming into Rebellious, what does it mean to you to be a part of this company now, having worked with Field Roast in the past, having seen how products have made in the space and how they grow and get better? Uh, what really excited you about this this role and and the mission that Christie, both the Christies, are on here? <laughs> Um, well, I think what's really exciting to me about Rebellious is that we're trying to make it affordable. And there's a, there's a lot of plant-based meat out there, but it's it's special occasion food. It's difficult for people to make that part of their everyday, everyday or every week meal and meal planning. So I just think the idea to make the product accessible um, and it's it's better for your health, it's better for the planet, it's better for the animals. And if we can make it the same price, why would you not jump on board. So, yeah, very exciting. And how are you enjoying the journey so far, Christy? This is uh, this is a whole new sort of experience for you as well, right? Yeah, it's a thrill. Honestly, I loved my role at the Humane Society, and I still think that the organization is doing some of the most important and effective work in this particular space. And this is uh, an extension of that work. I still maintaining many of the same relationships that I had when I was there. And I'm giving them another solution that I think is going to help make their jobs easier while meeting what is unquestionably this growing demand. You know, what I think is really interesting is, you know, maybe even three or four years ago when I was going and meeting with schools and hospitals, I still had to share the business case and talk to the operators about why they needed to add more plant-based options to menus. And I'm not saying that everybody completely agrees, but I don't have to have that conversation anymore. It never even comes up, why would we want to add plant-based nuggets to our menu? It's really a given. And we're just 
providing a service. Um, in terms of other learnings in the startup environment, you know, there are definitely challenges, and every day is something new and different. And not to say that it's um, not always uh, that it's always a great day. You know, mm-hmm. there are certainly days where we you know, may be a little stressed out or something. It's thrown at us that we have to overcome, but we're writing our own playbook. And, you know, to be able to do something that you care about, that you're excited about, and that the rest of the world is excited about is a real treasure. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the listener, um, whoever they are at the moment listening, what is the one thing that you would like to ask them for? So what is your greatest need as Rebellious today? Um, and we have a wide range of listeners, people who are excited to work at plant-based food companies, excited to invest in them, excited to partner with them, uh, or just, you know, excited to hear about their stories. What's your biggest ask (laughs) need at the moment that you'd love to get out there? I would say all of the above. (laughs) Uh, We are fundraising, so any prospective investors who are excited about the work that we're doing and who agree with us that plant-based chicken is the way of the future and that we need novel equipment to help make that a reality, we invite you to be part of the journey. For anyone who's a student or a parent or who works somewhere, there's a corporate cafeteria in a hospital in the military. If you're interested in getting those options on your menus, reach out to us. We would love to connect with your food service director. And we are hiring. We're always hiring. So for anyone who's interested in being part of a sales or marketing team, who's an engineer, who's got a great background in food science, operations, um, or maybe even admin work, we have jobs listed on our website. And we'd love to have you join the team as well. Anything to add? Uh, I guess the only thing I would add is just as a as a consumer, keep your mind open and mm-hmm. try all those plant-based products. There's a lot of exciting things out there. I'm going to close out with this one last question. Christy, you've heard this question before. I don't know if you remember what your answer was the last time around. Uh, It'd be interesting to compare. It probably is the same one now. Um, But I end the podcast with this question always, which is, uh, you know, we're 7.5 billion people on the planet now. We're going to be 10 billion by the year 2050. Basically, business as usual isn't going to get us anywhere. We can't feed the world a diet heavy in meat, dairy, and eggs, including chicken. Uh, so we need to change. And so you are part of that change. Rebellious is part of that change. Other companies in the plant-based food space and other innovative technologies are working to take us off this unsustainable, cruel, unjust, unequitable part, uh, path we're on right now and putting us on one that will hopefully be better. In your view, if we get it right, if all of us succeed, if Rebellious succeeds and all these other companies, and including Tyson and Cargill and others who end up getting into the plan-based space, all become part of this change, what kind of world and what kind of food system do you envision in the year 2050? Ooh, that's a big question. I'm going to let Sandra go first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would, I would envision a, a food landscape where we're eating almost all plants and if there's any animal protein at all it's a it's then a condiment and not center of the plate okay good answer the the heat's on me now (laughs) i mean i don't remember what my answer was on the last podcast but i would say one in which people get to enjoy food that nourishes them that nourishes the planet and that they actually enjoy eating and we hope to be part of that solution i think rebellious is definitely on the path to to making that reality uh, come true. So thank you for the work you're doing. And 
Uh, I'm excited to follow the journey in, in the years ahead. Let's save the world one nugget at a time. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening.